I am the vixen of vines. I am Mother Nature's fury. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about that many bad men. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am a podcast. Whoa. Hey. with friends and people. People who. Hey dudes, welcome to another Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Michael, and you're listening to an audio variety show for your ears about the legendary 1990s cartoon, Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor, Poison Ivy's Hypno Lipstick. Nothing says I love you and do whatever I say uncontrollably like makeup for your lips with hypno stuff. So today you will be hearing the podcast's very first live show straight from Long Beach Comic Expo. First up, you'll hear a live Eternal Youth panel with Diane Pershing, the voice of Poison Ivy, as well as Kevin Altieri, the episode's director. Then I'll chat with Bat fan Richie Root about the Alfred-centric episode in more detail. Today's episode, Eternal Youth. Batman sends Alfred and his way-more-than-friend Maggie to a health spa that advertises a back-to-nature rejuvenating potion, but things turn sour when it's revealed to be the latest Poison Ivy scheme to turn rich people into trees. Original air date, September 23rd, 1992. Written by Beth Bornstein, directed by Kevin Altieri, with music by Lolita Ritmanis. Featuring Kevin Conroy as Batman, Bob Hastings as Gordon, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. in a starring role as Alfred, Julie Brown as Lily, Patty Edwards as Maggie Page, Diane Pershing as Poison Ivy, and Lynn Marie Stewart as Violet. Today's guest, Kevin Altieri and Diane Pershing. Now, both of my guests today have appeared on the podcast before. Kevin is a Batman director and storyboard artist for the animated series, and Diane is the voice of Poison Ivy. Guys, let's get to that live interview, shall we? What are you going to say, no? You're here for this podcast. Let's do it. Keep clapping for this amazing show. So if you came in during the episode, this is Diane Pershing, the voice of Poison Ivy. Kevin Altieri, who directed this episode as well as other episodes. You're a board artist. You worked on Mask of the Phantasm. So good to have you guys here. Thanks for coming out. How's your con been so far? Oh, it's fine. I'm having a great time. Yeah, when was the last time you guys watched that episode? Um, uh, <laughs> I saw it. I saw it probably about five years ago. Yeah, I think this last year when I realized for the first time I was going to start doing these Comic Con things, which I had avoided prior. I don't know why. I watched all the episodes again um, to remind myself of what it had been, and I just saw this one probably about six, eight months ago, and I must tell you, I was sitting there watching it, and I went, wow, that's such a good show. (laughs) Yeah, this aired September 3rd, 1992. 
Uh, it was written by Beth Bornstein. So what was the experience, I guess, Kevin, directing the episode? The first thing you do is you get the script and you read it. And this was like a really good script. You know, not all the scripts were that great. Most of them were pretty good. This one was, ex- I really like this version of Poison Ivy. And um, directing it, you have artists, like I had Brad Rader, Mike Gogan, Mark Wallace, who are very good artists, and myself, to board stuff with. And we're, um, so you sit there and you go, okay, now I understood I was going to get a not one of the best studios to do the animation. So you kind of gear how you do storyboards to the strengths of the studio that's going to get it. And, um, of course, the, the really fun part is actually going to the recordings and just, like, watching all the voice actors do the acting. And this one was, like, really good because it had Julie Brown on it, you know? And Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., who's, like, instead of just showing up and then disappearing... Yeah, yes, yes. Let's clap for Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., the voice of Alfred. (laughs) And it was just really great to just, like, watch him going through and actually emoting and stuff and going through. Like, I I love how the comedy between... um, Ephraim and like and Mag the Maggie character, mm-hmm. and it was just like that was like so much fun. Yeah, that was Patty Edwards. She was the voice of Gozer in Ghostbusters and Flotsam and Jetsam in The Little Mermaid. So, from a voice acting perspective, uh, what what was it like stepping into the booth? What was your experience uh, voicing Poison Ivy? How did you approach her? This particular episode, or just all of them? Uh, yeah, let's start with this episode, but in general as well. It's a wonderfully written. It is, as you said, Kevin. It's a wonderfully written uh, episode. Um, I loved coming to these uh, sessions, uh, especially the ones where everybody was in the room at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. We would do a kind of semicircle, and we'd have music stands where our scripts were and then a microphone, but we could see each other. So as actors, we could act to each other. We could look at faces. We could get reaction times. And and working with Ephraim was late, wonderful. Ephraim Zimbalist was a pleasure, as was working with Mark Hamill and, and, I mean, all these amazing people. I love the character of Poison Ivy. I was honored to have the chance to voice her and to use a lot of myself in her. You know, we all have lots of different evil parts of us, so I got to get that one out. Well, what I loved about her was she was kind of, she used her sexiness, her great body and her voice, uh, but she was highly intelligent and quite manipulative, and I imagine I have all those qualities too. Well, you're also like you're a romance novelist yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. No, I have I have several several careers. You're a badass. You wrote yeah, on the yeah. Love Boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used to write for the Love Boat. Uh, yeah, it's a it's an interesting life. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, so, I loved it. That's why. That's wonderful. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about, uh, back to the directing of the episode. Um, sure. This feels kind of like a, it has a horror opening, right? Like yes. a, a big chase scene. Were there any horror influences you had, or, or how did you approach that opening scene? Um, oh God. I mean, if you talk about horror movies and you talk to me or, like, any of the guys around the crew, it's like, you, you know, it's like if, if I just go like this, mostly on Batman the Animated, the thing that we mainly dove into, especially me and Brad Rader, more than other people, I think, but we were really into Hitchcock, like early Hitchcock. So it's like, it's kind of like, this is like a Hitchcock kind of horror film. If anything, it's like, I would say 
the two films that I looked at that I like actually I remember we screened you know I brought in VHSs was um, Curse of the Demon hmm. and um, I can't remember which Hitchcock film but it was like one of the early ones like Young and Innocent just the way that Hitchcock would stage things and so that was kind of what we were going for yeah I feel like these were really beautifully boarded there was like so much attention to detail I think that's what everybody loves about the show is that they feel like mini films um, and I really loved in that opening scene like just the close up of like the feet running uh, and that we yeah. didn't see Ivy you know she was in shadow for most of the opening until the end which is kind of a reveal were there any sections that you got to board on this episode on almost all the episodes I directed I would end up boarding something but on this one I kind of pulled rank because I wanted to do the climax. But the thing that no one will ever see that was really cool was because Poison Ivy in this is the goddess Demeter. She takes the name. I had her hunting him with a longbow. And so, like, she's going, suck, you know, and, like, these big shafts are sticking in the trees and stuff. But BSNP was like... We can't do longbows. It's got to be the wrist crossbow. Why? Because a kid can get a hold of a bow and arrow and actually try and play this out. It's like it's just too close for comfort. Were there any other things that got cut from the episode that you wish could have made it in? Um, God, it's been a while. I'm trying to think, but it's just small things. I just kind of wish that um, for the climax we could have gotten like more animation. But, of course, it's a Saturday morning cartoon. It's limited animation. So you kind of stage it towards what you know you can get. Right, yeah. I mean, that huge tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that enormous world-eating tree. Yeah. I just turned to him and said, but what happened to Poison Ivy? Well, she broke through the glass ceiling. No, and then where, where did she go? She shows up later on. Yes. See, that's, it's like See? a very, that's like the one thing that wasn't really, wasn't really in the script. No. But the thing is, what we did with that, or I mean, I boarded that specific thing myself, but the thing I missed about a lot of the Batman, the animated series, was the thing I loved about the 60s Batman was, like, the villains always seem to meet their end at the last moment. And you go, like, well, that's the last we'll see of him. And then, of course, the Joker, whoever, shows up again. Back again. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you approached, uh, in this episode, it felt like there was Poison Ivy, Poison Ivy, as well as, like, you know, this this facade that she was putting yes, on. How did you approach... Oh, there was lovely. I had a slight British accent, if you noticed. Uh-huh. And, and that was fun. And I used Poison Ivy's voice, but a little more professorial sounding. I mean, so, she wore a lab coat, so she must be a professor. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and a scientist. For all of us voice actors, the more you get to show off your chops, the happier you are. You know, it's just that simple. I love doing this one. Yeah, you really got to dig into a lot of different facets of this character. I feel yeah. like in the first episode that she appears in, she was pretty straightforward villainous. Yes. Uh, she was well, still, you no, know, no. I guess this tricking is... Harvey Dent. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she came in as lovely, perfect woman kind of person, and then she became the villainess. So I had two different characters. And there was a lot of humanity in that uh, episode where she's got a family, uh, house and garden. House and garden. That's, yeah. my, that's my favorite because... Well, because it shows her vulnerability. Yeah, there's a sweetness to her, and I feel like you don't see that in other Ivy episodes. Not a lot of that in her. <laughs> She's you pretty know. cruel. Yeah. Give her a family, there's a little sweetness. Yeah, yeah I mean, sure, they're a mutant plant family, but uh, you know, it's a family. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kevin, I'm curious about that. There's that one effect where like, the sunlight is kind of a recurring theme 
in uh, the episode where it pops up in the beginning, middle, end, maybe like three or four times. What were you going for with that? Well, it's um, you know, it's like basically as the people are turning into plants, and the whole thing is like sunlight attracts them. You see when Alfred's like laying in bed, he responds when the sun comes up, and he, you know, like it draws him out of his bed. And um, that's just simple overlays because this was done at um, supposedly at Sunrise Animation in Japan, but it was shipped overseas from Japan to China to Jade Animation, who was never i don't think they had ever done action adventure they had always done like really weird cutesy stuff so for them they really wanted to do this so they put a lot of effort into the show but there are limitations so that effect which they actually came out pretty well it's just a layer of acetate laying on top huh with um they had like you know where it's like basically you dissolve re- replace layer of acetate literally pick it up put another layer on there and it creates that little ripple effect interesting it looks cool it's just totally simple you know with like um airbrushed effects and stuff just like literally with an airbrush like you know someone doing that an artist drawing something curious what about the fake spa video Uh, did you have fun making that that's one of my favorite parts (laughs) of the episode yeah the best part of that was julie brown like she was a who like I I was gonna say that like when I think they were doing pickups and um, yeah. you were in the booth yeah I'm sitting there and I've got Julie Brown on the couch with oh. me and I'm going I really I really loved you and Earth Girls are easy <laughs> that was great which she wrote and directed I believe yeah yeah uh, for those of you who don't know she's in Clueless she's the voice of Zatanna in the first episode yes there's the reference uh, yeah so she and she's an awesome comedian yeah no she and she was like cracking jokes and stuff which I can't repeat right now <laughs> we, we got we got to work with some of the most amazing oh. talented brilliant people I mean it's a joy yeah were there any stories that you have from like behind the scenes working with actors that you you, you <laughs> Um, but well, in this, like for this episode, there was like the one moment, if you'll notice, and the thing, uh, here's something I'll just, something that I don't like about the new Batmans is like that gravelly voice that he's got, you know, it's like, whereas this kind of explains it when Kevin Conroy puts on Bruce Wayne, that's a fake voice. Mm-hmm. That's an act that's acting when he's alone with Alfred. It's the regular Batman voice, you know, and I thought that's a really great. So Batman is who he is all the time. And Bruce Wayne is faked. Yeah. Bruce is the mask. Yeah. And it's like that. I don't think anyone else has ever done that. But that's that's Kevin Conroy. And it's like in in just having Bob Hastings. It's like, my God, I miss that guy. Yes. He is Gordon. (laughs) It's like you're it's like him and Ephraim were like when I would show up, they go, hey, kid, how's it going? How's your mom? How's your dad? Your dad's doing good, isn't he? You know, they were always like really concerned. They, They knew all these little things that you would just like mention to them. And especially, you know, Bob Hastings and Ephraim, they were just like really Really great guys just to work with. Wonderful people, major pros, darling human beings. Yeah. It's that simple. And Andrea brought all these people together. Oh, it's like Andrea. That's our voice director. Yeah. Amazing. Andrea Romano. She's yeah. great. Yeah. What about what was your first experience voicing Poison Ivy? Do you remember when you first got into the room, what was it like? Well, 
first of all, it was um, serendipity. I had been hired to do a small part in that episode, the one where they introduced Poison Ivy, and apparently the actress who was supposed to do Poison Ivy couldn't come for whatever reason, and Andrea just looked at me and said, you want to take a shot at this? And I said, okay, and it was my audition, and I auditioned, and I mean, I read the script, and I went, okay, okay, and I did it, and she said, okay, you got it. So what was my experience like? Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, God. Yeah. yeah, and you've gotten to play her across many, uh, multiple shows, too. I think in the Gotham Girls, oh, and she has a Justice fun. League Arlene appearance. Sorkin as uh, Harley Quinn, and I had such a <laughs> amazing, amazing, wonderful, wonderful time, and, I, and we're, we're friends. She's a lovely human being, so that's really fun. Yeah, what was that rapport like when you were working together? Perfect. Perfect. I mean, we would talk after, and it's like, we're sisters, although not in the show. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Real life Harley and I have your friends. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we need some sitcom sound cues. <laughs> Uh, when it came to boarding the sequence uh, for Poison Ivy kind of sitting on, like, different trees, did you happen to board that? or? I'm trying to think. That was either me or Mike Gogan, I think. I, uh, because uh, I remember boarding, like, that end sequence. And I think once you get to the Grove, I think that was me, but it's entirely possible it was Mike Gogan, too. Because at that point, we're, I would, like, when things were, well, there was, there was always that one extra artist that I won't mention here. <laughs> There's always that one guy or girl or, that just doesn't get it. And then you had people like Brad Rader and uh, Mike Gogan and Mark and, and you know whoever, you name the other people like Frank Parr, they're just terribly into it and like we're just giving it everything we got. So, you know, as far as like boarding on it, like the feet running in the beginning, the slow shots, that's me, you know. But I didn't do the whole sequence. Remember, I didn't do the whole thing, but I did, like, chunks of it all over the place. And how did you approach the, the look of the tree people, like the frozen, petrified victims? Uh, that, was, that was easy. You just, I mean, ask any of us to draw that, and everyone on the crew is great. The one thing that you guys missed, though, is that Brad Rader um, did these models uh, for... We didn't have... Bruce was, like, really busy... So he didn't have time to do all of the models. So we would do, like, per episode, I would have either Mike Gogan or uh, Brad. I think, uh, like, Maggie is, like, a Mike Gogan creation. Um, yeah, she on only Ang shows up once in the entire yeah. series. Based on Angela Lansbury. Brad did the model sheets for um, Alfred in this particular episode. And what you guys haven't seen is Alfred in the pool in his Speedos. <laughs> Ooh, baby, baby. really, like, they're really, like, endearing drawings. And he, but it's like, I'm, we're like, when, when the board came in, I'm like, oh, I don't think this is going to go through. <laughs> yeah, it looked like, like Alfred was lacking nipples, too. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> those got removed. You know, that, that was like BS&P. He's like a this, cyborg. That's, yeah, uh, it's in continuity. Alfred's a cyborg, yeah. and we all know it. <laughs> There's certain things that you don't do for Saturday morning cartoons at yeah. the time. I hope we get a DC Collectibles lounging Alfred in pool with, like, you know, sunglasses. Hey, and I, That would be a big seller. I think so. Make that a <laughs> Long Beach Comic Expo exclusive. Do you have any closing thoughts on, on working on the series, Diane? I'm extremely grateful for it because now, 25 years later, I'm feeling 
what the show meant to so many people by meeting so many yeah. of you here. Um, so many, it influenced so many people's lives. And y you don't know as a voice actor that you have that impact on people. Um, you don't know that until they tell you. And all of a sudden I'm emotional, involved. I wrote on my Facebook page um, that I just am part of this now, this whole Comic-Con world. I'm a convert. You know, <laughs> Kevin, any closing thoughts? Oh, I'm just uh, whatever. When I was a kid, <laughs> well, I remember when I was like a little kid, and I'm like this this kid that I was like, um, you know, kind of trapped in your bedroom all by yourself, and you're like the only person collecting comic books in town, and you're the only person doing drawings. And I turn on the TV, and there's Johnny Quest, and it's made for me. You know, and I'm like, you know, and there's what, you know, Doug Wildey, Alex Toth, what they did for me is like, you can't count it. And so I'm really happy that everyone's like that, you know, I'm able to do that to whatever degree I'm able to do for everyone else. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you've engendered that for so many people. Uh, so thank you guys. Trying. Thank you, Diane. Thank you, Kevin, so thank much. I know this was short, but they both have individual hour-long episodes you can listen to on the podcast with much more in-depth interview. Uh, thank you, guys. Cool. That was an interview at a live panel. Not awkward at all to stand at a podium and pretend that it's normal to ask questions that way. If you guys liked what you heard, there's a full interview with Kevin Altieri about the Rachel Ghoul episode Showdown on episode 13 of this podcast, as well as a full interview with Diane about the debut episode of Poison Ivy on episode 26. And now a word from our sponsor. Are you tired of regular boring kisses? Do you wish you could hypnotize and or poison someone while making out? Have you already said yes to both questions, thereby negating a reason for me to even ask you a third? Great, because I've got just the product for you. Introducing Poison Ivy's Hypno Lipstick. Spice up your love life with a potential loss of life, because nothing's kinkier than a near-death experience caused by a smooch. Now I know what you're thinking. Ivy, isn't this damaging for my relationships? Of course it is, you stupid foolish mammal. Plants don't need relationships. All they need is sun and water and dirt. Dirt! Dirt! <clears throat> Did I mention we've got three distinct varieties? We do. There's poison, hypnosis, and hypnopoison. So take it from me, a grown woman with a cloned family made of plants who turns rich people into petrified trees in my spare time, you should buy this product. Poison Ivy's Hypno Lipstick. If it doesn't severely alter the body chemistry of whoever you kiss, I'll send your money back. I don't just guarantee it. I guarantee it. Today's fan, Richie Root. Richie's a great guy. He's a writer, improviser, comedian, friend that I met through UCB. You can see him at Tournament of Nerds in Los Angeles, but for now, he's right here, right now. And we're going to talk about Eternal Youth. <laughs> Well, I'm uh, reeling from that very, very good episode. 
<laughs> what were your impressions? Just initial impressions having seen it for the first time. I, just in general, it reaffirmed my long-held belief that Alfred is my favorite thing about Batman. And always has been. And I love every incarnation of him in a different way. But I love, I love Batman, but I love Alfred. Yeah, what is it you love about Alfred? He's like, his entire job is to be there and like, just be no nonsense in some kind of way. And I love in the animated series, it manifests as just like, mm, yes, I'm a catty butler. Oh, yeah. But like, every incarnation of him is just like, no bullshit. Like, here, I'm just, he's Bruce Wayne's, uh, like, he's the, the voice in Bruce Wayne's head that doesn't let him, like, get away with nonsense. Do you think he works seven days a week? I think he works seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he has any time off. I don't think he does. And I think he has a bed, but I think he rarely uses it. Yeah, it's it's in pristine condition. It looks yes. like it's, it's still got, like, you know, some sort of plastic lining over uh -huh. it that he should have torn open. <laughs> and there's a creepy revelation when you find out he's just been on his feet for years. Yes, I think, like, he sleeps on his feet and he, like, sleeps, like... Or like leaning on the cupboard, and then when he hears Bruce's footsteps, he like jerks awake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, must away. Uh, I love him so much, especially the animated series incarnation, where he's just like he's just there to like be low key rude to everyone and not and get away with it because nobody listens to him. I'm so happy that you saw this episode too, yeah. because this is like one of two Alfred centric episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another one where it's like Batman goes to London uh -huh. called the lion and the unicorn. Uh, <laughs> but this one we get Alfred romance mm -hmm. uh, or like light, the lightest possible romance, right? He anime blushes. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that means that something's going on. And by the end it's like this relationship is branching out. Oh, with a light kiss on the cheek. Yeah. I kind of want to know what your background is in terms of watching the show. When did you first see it? I was never a um, religious watcher of it. It When I was like a early teen, anytime it would be on, like I would... And, and I watched a lot of TV, so it would be on a lot. <laughs> but anytime I'd be flipping around and it was on, it would like... That was an instant stop. Uh... But I don't think, I, I feel like I, as a teenager, I never knew when anything was actually on. Like, I didn't know how to find that out, which is stupid in retrospect. But I think I had no concept of like, well, this show will be on this time on this day. I would just like find whatever and just be like, good enough. TV time. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what being a teenager is. Yeah. Yeah. I miss those days. Yeah. Grilled uh, cheese sandwiches, vanilla Cokes, and mm. a Nick and Knight marathon of all in the family till four in the morning. Mm. Well, uh, I'll correct that. My family was a lime Pepsi family, not a vanilla Coke family. Ooh, so we both had weird versions of soda. <laughs> yes, only exclusively. Uh, well, this episode is like, I feel like a B-side that people don't watch a lot. Mm. Um, do you? How, how do you feel about Poison Ivy as a villain? I like Poison Ivy. I like... Uh, I think she's a good villain. Uh, like, she is one of the... Batman does a good job with it in general, but, like, she's a villain with a clear, logical point of view that makes sense. Like, oh, I see why you're a villain. Uh, like, you, you protect the environment above all else, and if people get in the way of that, then you're going to bring them down. Like, that makes sense to me. Do I agree with it? No. But it makes sense to me. 
And like some sometimes villains, I feel like don't fully uh, have a reason, and then it, it's just like, well, what are you doing? Mister Freeze is another. Was like, oh yeah, it makes sense to me what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and like Joker, I like because uh, he's great. But there's also some things like, oh, you're just you just like to be a villain, and it's like interesting in its own way. But yeah, I like that like clear path forward of here's what I do and here's why, and you're on my side, right? Because I'm right. Oh, you're not? Okay, then you're the villain. Yeah, she's pretty clear-cut. Like, one of the most black and white, mm-hmm. like, villainous archetypes in the show. Like, probably I would less say sympathetic. The most black and white villain, the Penguin. Oh, true, true. He does wear a tux. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, audience. Thank you for laughing. Thank you for clapping. Please, please, <laughs> quiet down. Laughing. We have to move on with the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think, like, you know, with characters like the Joker, he, he feels like... a the more you learn about the Joker, the less interesting he gets for me. Uh-huh. Whereas with every other character, I kind of want to know enough yeah. to like get under their skin and figure out why they do what they do. Yeah, um, and I do like the Joker because he's just such an enigma. But you're right; like the more you learn about it, the more it's just like, oh, this is kind of like sad a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it also just undercuts him being this like the best Batman villain of all. Right, he should just be a force of nature almost. Yep. Yeah. Well, Ivy, what I like about her in this episode, and and in a few of the animated series episodes, is she's not played for, like, sex appeal. Yeah. I mean, her design is still, like, she's showing it all off. Don't get me started on that. (laughs) But she is, you know, her her plan, it's not about her, like, kissing people and hypnotizing them, which happens in later episodes. Uh, In this one, it's like, no, she's, she's, you know, mad scientisting things. Yeah. And so there's something about her, too, where it feels like a lot of the time, uh, like, her punishments tend to fit the crime. Like, she's like, okay, well, you cut down a bunch of trees, so you're going to be a tree now. Like, there's a... It, and because it's all plant-based, obviously, there's, like, always a connection. But, yeah, it's, there's something about, like, uh, you did this, so the same's coming back to you, which I like. Yeah, it seems like a lot of effort for her. <laughs> In this episode, there's a lot of effort. Put I mean, play. let's let's tally it. She created a mm-hmm. fake organization, yep. which can't be easy. It can't be easy. She hired two employees. I, I I would say unless those employees are graphic designers and video editors, maybe more than that that we <laughs> just don't more see. Because she created a cameraman. Yeah, yeah. So she's got at least seven, eight employees. Sound. <laughs> she's got like that's a small business. She's got to register with Gotham. She's got to. Uh, start like uh she's got to figure out some comp hire a company she's got an llc for sure she's got an llc which i would love to hear what that name is demeter llc llc yeah uh this isn't that's not what that's not a thing miss isley that's not a thing no no i'm not poison ivy look i'm wearing a jacket oh Sorry about that. I don't know how I could have been so rude and mistaken you for Poison Ivy. <laughs> yeah, she does just kind of throw on a lab coat and some glasses, and uh, yeah. nobody knows who she is. I guess this is her second appearance in the show, so it's... it's She's newer. Yeah. She's just new in town. But it's crazy how much effort she goes through. I mean, let's... We'll get to that huge curtain later oh, where curtain. she reveals her growth, the but curtain. that is like... That's like an old school game show style. Absolutely. She has to grab onto it and drop 30 feet to swing it. I love it so much. The theatricality of Ivy feels Uh like something that's not talked about. And she went through a lot of effort to do all of this. And and in a weird way, like as as evil as, as her plan is, like 
you got to admire her conviction for yes. what she believes in. It's not yeah. like she's getting rich off of this. She's probably nope. losing money. She's certainly losing money. I mean, she's definitely losing money. money. So I like also that it's there, there's no bones about it. Like she just is super smart. Mm-hmm. Like she's just also a, like a genius botanist, and like that's not. But that's not just like. Ooh, she's a genius. Like, it's just like, oh yeah, she's also just a genius. Yeah, by the way, I mean, like, ignore the Frankenstein-style lab setup in the background <laughs> with this green The enzyme. one table. <laughs> love it. I love the design of that, though. It really does look like Bride of Frankenstein-y. Uh-huh. Or, you know, that, that era of early Universal monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's go through it in order, right? Yes. Uh, we'll start from the top. So the beginning of the episode starts with a chase scene. Uh, a woman is running right. away from poison for ivy. a long time. Yeah, it's it's a good cold open. Yeah, uh, yeah, very like, uh, uh, yeah, very like horror movie. Mm-hmm. And usually, she, Ivy's like kind of shrouded in shadow, and like you know who it is though. But she's got like a weird ominous gun, and that feels odd. Yeah, uh, not in a bad way, but it's like oh, something's weird here. Yeah, I liked it. It was pretty cool. Then that woman gets tired and trips. <laughs> just like, it's more and more tired. And you're just like, when is she falling over? And she does. And she's barefoot, too. I thought it was a nice little touch. I don't know why. But she was barefoot. Well, because I think it's like little details like that. When you don't know what's going on in any sort of mystery, it's kind of like intriguing to try to piece together. Like, why is this woman in a robe running away barefoot in the middle of a forest mm-hmm. from like this shadowed person with what looks like a weird gun? Yeah. I, it was just like a nice touch that makes like really unsettled me for some reason. The idea of like it's one thing to be running away in the forest at night, but like to have to do it barefoot for some reason was very visceral. I mean, you're gonna cut your feet on your some feet rocks and branches. Cut up on rocks and branches. Who cares if I'm turned into a tree? If I cut up my feet, those oh. are my money makers. I'm a foot model. <laughs> uh, so we we cut to Bruce Wayne uh, angrily talking about one of his greedy. <laughs> investors or somebody who works for the company yeah like a director of something yeah and what hangs is, up is there uh, and maybe this is just my ignorance but do they ever say like what his business is it's just is it everything is it a business of everything oh my god that's a good question like is he in real estate like I what does he don't do no he's just Wayne enterprises he makes stuff or does he make stuff uh, you've blown my mind. <laughs> I can, we don't need to know, but I like it's it. It would be so disappointing if it's just like real estate or something boring. What a kid version of a company! It's like, what is his company? It's a company. It's a, it's an enterprise, that's for sure. That's you know he does a I lot. I feel like in the the more recent movies, it's like, oh yeah, he's like a tech, like weapons and right. And, there's R and D, yeah, kind of stuff. But this is just like. He just has a little piece of everything. Enough that, like, some part of his business is cutting down a rainforest. But right. Why? Sometimes he's developing products, I know, in the animated series. But otherwise, it's usually, like, shareholders meetings yeah. and just generic office stuff. I guess he's just so high up that he, like, doesn't have to touch any of the actual stuff. He's just, like, just does business. Yes, so, yeah, a business with a capital B. Yeah, and a capital S. Wow, and another capital S. <laughs> <laughs> but oddly, it's the first S and the third one. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, please stop, stop applauding and laughing. Stop. <laughs> uh, so I guess he's doing business. Uh, he's upset. We have to know that Bruce is a good guy, and unlike yep. these other people who are getting turned into trees, he did not want to cut down the rainforest. Correct. Um, but he Which gets leads this... to a good question. Like, So is he to blame? 
Is she right to blame him? Would this be settled if she had asked? I mean, I think Would it's a settled if she asked. I think it's a Batman v Superman like just ask why you're fighting me kind of solution <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> rather than wait until we're both Martha sons. <laughs> uh, that was the weirdest way of describing that yep. plot detail. But it made good sense. We're Martha sons. Yeah. <laughs> Clark and Bruce, the Martha sons. That's still insane that that's the plot point. It's wild. Uh, because there's a version of that that's not bad. Sure. Right? Like, there's something funny about both having the same mom's name. Right. Um, and there's something about connecting over that, but I kind of want to see the version of it where, like, they're buddies and they're drinking and they're like, wait, your mom's name is Martha? My mom's name is Martha. Yeah. Not like, <clears throat> wait a minute. <laughs> this feels, feel, the way it was done, it felt more like, you like pizza? I like pizza. What are we fighting about? Yeah. Honestly, I think I would have liked Batman vs. Superman a whole lot more if that's what it was. If they bonded over pizza and then beat up Lex Luthor after that. And Doomsday, great. Great. Ugh. Um, so we get this uh, Eternal Youth Spa video mm-hmm. that Alfred puts in a giant VCR on their giant screen Such TV. Such a big VCR in the weight room. And Bruce couldn't possibly put it in himself. No, goodness no. Uh, I guess we do kind of see that Alfred wants to do work. He's, like, addicted to work. He's It's very sad. It is, just, but yeah. Maggie's going to get him out of his shell. <laughs> Someday. Maybe in the next episode she's in. Oh, wait. She doesn't ever no, show up again. Back. Never comes back. I love this video, though. It's, like, very 70s cheesy. The mm-hmm. music is wonderful. Yep. Um, we got Lily and Violet, who are Correct. actually guest voices. Violet, who... The names you wouldn't know, I think, just unless you looked at the credits, mm-hmm. is Lynn Marie Stewart, who is also best known as Miss Yvonne in Pee Wee. And okay. I know you're an It's Always Sunny fan. She's Charlie's mom. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. That's really funny. Both of them are funny actresses. Lily is Julie Brown, who like was in Clueless. Downtown Julie Brown? Downtown Julie Brown. And she's also the voice of Zatanna. Oh. All right. Yeah, so yeah. there you go. What a tiny world. I know, and it's weird because the those parts are so small mm-hmm. in this episode, but uh, they still get the best people to do yeah. that kind of stuff. That's nice. That's Because it's mostly just about. the video and then like some grunting sounds when they get like tied up. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. Probably a total of ten lines. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that video, though. There's nothing funnier to me than like a fake bad video Uh especially because comedy in a show like batman will always play even funnier because everything else is so dour Uh uh-huh but like the shot of them like cooking like (laughs) yeah a day out in nature Uh (laughs) Uh, knitting their outfits are pretty cool they're like it's a very good and it's like black and white yeah yeah or i mean like i guess later they're like weird uh jumpsuits like the blue Mm -hmm tanks with like yes, 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 spray. yes yeah it's very like oddly retro for no reason yeah. in a good way <laughs> it's great uh so then we meet maggie mm-hmm. uh who very very strange introduction to maggie she's just like running in place she shows up at wayne manor which is looks like quite a drive based on how absolutely. there's nothing else around it absolutely and, and just like jogs up knocks on a window and it's just like all right let's go alfred but like she knows he's not going anywhere no but she wants to get him out of the house she's gonna get him out of the house 
I love that she... I, I love that this is centered around two elderly people. Or not elderly, yeah, but like but, older folks. But a little elderly. You don't see that. This is a kid's show. Like, already it was a show that yeah. was a little bit more adult than other shows. And they're like, you know what? We're going to double down. And this is going to be about an old man and an old woman and their budding romance as they mm-hmm. get turned into plant people. I, there's, like... I feel like my mind has, like, put together a backstory for Maggie without any prompting. It's just like she's she's a, a widow, and ten years ago her husband passed, and now she's like found a new love, and like her life's looking good. And... She really does feel like a new lease on life kind of yeah. character, where it's like, you know what, I'm gonna have fun while I'm able to move my body. Yeah, she's got like three kids, and they're doing great, and like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's like it, it's just it's all there. Yeah, she's the only ray of sunshine. Yeah, in, in this entire city, mm-hmm. and her like her and Alfred, their relationship is so delightfully small. <laughs> like she just wants to go on a jog, and he's a curmudgeon, and she knows it, but it's a, it's adorable. Like, when they leave to go to the spa, eventually that shot of like the her car kind of like bouncing uh-huh. over the hill. Yeah. She looks like a Mr. Toad style character. <laughs> yes, to me. yeah, uh, and that's a beautiful shot too. I don't know what, mm-hmm. like, it made it feel bigger than a Batman episode for yes. a moment. Yeah, 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 and like a little cartoony. You're right, in just a very fun way of just like, no, it's happy and light. That hard cut too. I've been Shanghai. I've been Shanghai. Very yeah. funny. Alfred in his like jumpsuit, like a weird, like almost, almost like Doctor Strange style jumpsuit with collar up. Yeah, so good. I love his little black mustache. Oh, it's his, great. And he's, it, he, di- he dyes it. He has to dye it. His yeah, mustache the rest of his hair is, is like, great. Because his, his white gray hair. And he's just like, but he keeps that mustache like polished. I love that it's like getting Alfred out of his element. Like seeing him in a sun hat and a robe and fly yes. swatter. Like the comedy of this episode is, is yeah. pretty fun. Like just the little touches of like, he's still going to be a butler even on his private time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Um, let alone lounging when they go when he gets to lounge on that raft that's mm-hmm. that's my favorite alfred yeah i didn't get to did you see what he was eating i didn't get to he's like got a little second floaty with oh, some no like, i wish i had noticed it's maybe probably there, there was silly. a drink and a phone <laughs> that's maybe true. he was that's eating the phone yeah wait a minute what's that phone doing there oh he's talking to master bruce oh i know he was doing but how does he get in the middle of the pool oh yeah man these things don't matter right it's <laughs> yeah, a batman it's cartoon a phone, but it's a pool phone both phone. Uh, so eventually they get roped into this spa uh, where Ivy is just kind of parading around in a lab coat mm-hmm. uh, as Dr. Demeter, mm-hmm. uh, which is a fun, you know, again, like a lot of effort put into this. A lot of effort. Because like, especially that it's, you know, they're coming back. So like this first session, there's nothing evil about it besides like the ingestion of the, the enzyme. But the whole first session must be like a comprehensive spa package. Because they thought nothing of it. So it must have been like a full three-day actual spa getaway. Yeah, like these hench girls are basically working to make it as appealing as possible. They're running it like an adult summer camp. (laughs) Uh, One of them's got Talia hair, where it's always like over half of her face. Uh Uh, Talia hair, copyright. Lazarus (laughs) Lazarus Pit <laughs> Enterprises, which is a subsidiary of uh, Crazy Green Goo Industries. Mm-hmm. Which is owned by Wayne Enterprises. <laughs> the company that does everything. everything. <laughs> uh, so eventually Batman figures out, after doing some sleuthing, 
Yeah, some real sleuthing. Some real quiet oh, sleuthing. We, got, we need to talk about this, this short scene with Inspector Gordon. Oh, yes, or Commissioner. Commissioner Gordon, excuse Inspector, me. Inspector, I wish. I, I, I had an image of an Inspector Gadget version of Gordon that where is like, exactly Gordon stretches what was, his yeah. arms and propellers off. <laughs> but like just to grab paperwork and stuff. Whoa! <laughs> go, go, Gadget Gordon hand. <laughs> uh, but that scene, very short, but just like, and you pointed this out while we were watching, the noises he makes when Batman disappears are so interesting. They sound like the noises you would cut out of a normal audio recording but they decided to keep it anyway it's, it's kind of what i like about it it's a very human response like yep. there's nothing more humiliating <laughs> than like realizing something like that has happened and like the noises that come out and if anybody was watching you when that happened you're like wow, wow. oh hmm. yeah it's very like well so you just better go oh 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 Hard cut. <laughs> yeah. I've been Shanghai again. <laughs> yeah, that Gordon scene, uh, it's like a perfect Batman Gordon scene. It's really yeah. short, too, but they get a lot of information across. Yeah, yeah. And Gordon's voice is always so good. Bob Hastings. Like, yeah. He's amazing. He's good. So Batman hang glides at night. Oh, you man. pointed out he waits till nighttime. He waits because they certainly, Alfred wakes up in the morning, stretches and greets the sun, and Maggie's like, we gots to go back. Oh yeah, they're eerily being drawn there. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, he waits until nine p.m. to go to go find him. There are some scary topiaries. Very scary topiaries. Uh, topi scaries. Topi scaries. Uh, and hashtag topi scaries. Hashtag topi scary guys. Please use the hashtag uh, if you're <laughs> referencing this episode. Hashtag topi scary. Spell it however you want. <laughs> I don't think they ever made that bat hang glider. Seems like it would have been a toy. And I don't think they made that Yeah. Toy. Yeah, it really does. Also, like, the idea that he just is like, I'm going to use a hang glider is very funny to me. Like, he must have gotten up very high to fly all the way to, like, maybe he just got over the gate or something. But in my head, he flew from Wayne Manor all the way to this complex on a hang it's glider. It's a good point. He's got a bat plane. That's very yeah. quiet, but also, you know, maybe this is a moment where it needs refueling. I don't know. The more the more things he has, the better, as far right? as I'm concerned. Bigger wings yep. to hang glide on. <laughs> Apparently, the climax of this game was adapted into The Adventures of Batman and Robin on Super Nintendo. One of the levels. Oh, all right. Yeah, so the climax of this episode was a level. Good. That's a thing. That's fun. Yeah. I want to replay that game. I yeah. got the Sega Genesis version. Nice. It is impossibly hard. Of course. It's As they really all fun, but I got to what I thought was the first boss, uh-huh. and it was the midway boss. <laughs> it was the mini boss? The mini boss. Oh, and, no. And uh, lost all what was it? my life. What was the mini boss? Harley Quinn. Oh, good. Good mini boss. Yeah, there are only four levels, but you uh, you, you really, you really got to work for it. Yeah. <laughs> got to get some Game Genie Cheats. Ooh, rest in peace, Game Genie. R.I.P. Uh, well, you know, moving on. Back to uh, Ivy. <laughs> so Batman shows up, and, and pretty quickly, it's just a fight scene. Yeah. Well, first she explains her grand scheme. Of course. And then it's a fight scene in the trees where she's using her wrist her wrist bow. Yeah. Like, uh, just, and, and very, well, at first they spray him with, with, uh, with the triple strength enzyme, and he says... I've covered my outfit with an anti-enzyme coagulant. Yes, my outfit. There's something very funny about him calling it an His outfit. His little outfit. It's very cute. Uh-huh, his little sailor outfit. 
uh, yeah, and the fight scene in the trees very like I love her little her little wrist bow. She's so accurate with it. Again, it's just like yeah, she's good at other things besides being planted. She's pretty nimble. The fact yeah. that she's jumping from tree to tree is yeah. And the animation on that was very fun. Where it really gave a sense where. Like, you could hear her moving around, and she was in a different place every time you saw her, and it gave a definite feeling of, like, uh, confusion. Like, you didn't know, as an audience member, where she was. And even though all she does is just kind of walk out slowly behind him, but, like, it it was, like, well... It was a well-crafted segment. I really loved it. I really loved her. That whole segment where she's sitting on all the tree bodies, too. Uh-huh. Like, this dog of a dog would. Oh, the puns. Oh, it also ends so with, good. I've got the patience of a redwood, and Batman's so upset, and he's like, and the convictions of a fanatic. <laughs> like, he's maybe been, the only time he was more upset was, like, when his parents died. <laughs> like, yeah. the level of intensity. I guess it's like Alfred means everything to him, but the yeah. delivery from Kevin Conroy is... And the confection of a fanatic! <laughs> like, I've seen so much worse stuff happen in Batman uh-huh. animated series, and he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the animation of it, too, of, like, his face is really, like, strained as he says it. Very expressive. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Ivy got what she wanted everything turned into a huge a tree. tree looked like disney's animal kingdom oh yeah looked like the centerpiece yeah to that theme park that tree with all the animals carved into it but yeah. it's people instead very lucky that when that tree smashed everything that all of the bodies remained intact uh-huh. the goons were just hanging precariously uh-huh. on branches very convenient but that's how these things work do you think that woman who uh, she snapped an earring off of... Uh, I had that same thought. Like, her ear is just bleeding horribly. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was cool. <laughs> I yeah. mean, obviously not cool in real life, but cool for like, okay, they got away with a little something. Also, just like, the fact that the people are alive in those like exoskeleton trees is horrifying. Horrifying to imagine that they were just like trapped in there. Yeah, like, the the if you really think about her plan, like, she was just going to like... For months, torture these people inside these tree husks into as their bodies just like slowly hardened from the inside from like months of just awful like pumping chemicals into them. When Ugh. you put it like that, she really is on par with a horror movie. Yeah, you could absolutely guy. see a <laughs> horror movie made of this episode. Yeah, it's got a lot of horror influences. I mean, yeah. like that opening, just like mm-hmm. what she's doing to people. It's very like, not. it's not really Cronenberg-y, but there's something like disgusting the, about I'm, it. I'm so uh, not good with horror movies. But is it Scream or I Know What You Did Last? Where it's, 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 it's the lady just like gets, gets the, do you like scary movies? Scream. And then like, there's the sequence where she's running away outside. Like it felt like that in the cold open. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Ooh. And then at the end of the episode, Bruce Wayne (laughs) brings a plant. So like, to me, this is the, uh, the most fucked up thing because I get it. You're trying to like act like a dumb playboy. Yeah. But Alfred was just, as you described, trapped in a tree having his body slowly hardened and bruce is like you know what it's more important for me to play my (laughs) ruse and psychologically trigger alfred and his budding girlfriend (laughs) than not bring this plant or is he just a little stupid (laughs) i like the version of it where he's a little stupid because he seemed genuinely like 
Oh, hello, kitty. He yep. seemed genuinely... You got a cat in the room. Cat in the room, cat in the room. Somebody call Catwoman. Uh, <laughs> Stop laughing, please. Please. Uh, he seemed genuinely like, oh, all right. Oops. But I do like the idea that he's just playing that. I got the sense that he was doing it to like play up his stupidity, but... Uh... Either way, there's no good like there's no good version of it. There's Either no he's being deliberately shitty or he's an idiot. Oh, what does Maggie say about him? Like Oh he, like she says something kind of insulting about Bruce after he does it, doesn't she? He's a little bit of like a Yeah, he's like, a little like he's stupid. an idiot, basically. <laughs> yeah. And then Alfred buries his head in a book. Yeah, he just like puts his face Ooh. deep in it. Alfred. <laughs> what are you doing in that book? You seem y- y- are you gonna come out? <laughs> My the the sad the sad future that I'm projecting on this is that we don't see this on the show, but the reason we don't get another Maggie episode is she and Alfred fall in love. They have a, a beautiful romance over the next few months. He can't live with not being honest with her, and he shows her the Batcave and she has a heart attack oh immediately God. and dies. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, I like to think there's a lost episode somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely uh, it was definitely like written, but then they were like, "This is a little is, too dark. This is terrible. This is unrelated. This doesn't to involve Batman. any villains. This doesn't involve anything." Right, the villain is heart disease. <laughs> oh man. Well, any thoughts? Any closing thoughts on this? Oh, I I really I love Alfred so much, and I I want him to be happy but i don't think he's i don't think he's got it in him no he that's why it's kind of nice that he has bruce too right like he's the kind of guy who needs to take care of somebody to be happy and he's got the ultimate person that needs taken care of so they kind of make sense together yes maybe he is happy he didn't need maggie anyway no Enjoy your three fulfilled kids and your great <laughs> life, Maggie. Yep, but man. Alfie don't need you. Yeah, no more kisses on the cheek for you. No more anime blushing forever. <laughs> well, yeah. thanks for doing the show, man. Thanks for having me. I love the show. Bye. Bye. That's it. That's the show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to all the fans who came out to Long Beach Comic Con to check out the live podcast. Thank you to the Patreon members who supported the show and allowed this live podcast to happen. I'm hoping to do more of these soon, so I will let you know when and if they happen. If you guys like what you heard, please rate and review the show on iTunes. Leave a comment! Follow us on Twitter at VTAS Podcast and me at HeyJustin. Subscribe in iTunes. You can also listen on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Donate to the show and get cool rewards at patreon.com slash Podcast. I like to think the coolest reward of all is you help keep this show going. But there's also pogs and stickers and other stuff. I'm thinking of making enamel pins. Uh, Is that a thing you guys would buy? Would you buy enamel pins? Do I just want to make these for myself? Let me know, because I'll make them if people want them. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo, and Casey Trela helped produce the theme song. Harry Chaskin is the booming voice of the podcast. A big ol' thanks to my live show producer, Alexis Preston, and the folks at Long Beach Comic Expo for making it happen. Also, my guests, Diane Pershing, Kevin Altieri, and Richie Root. Lastly, I'd like to thank This American Life co-founder, Tori Malatia, who sent me a sext, actually, which is weird, uh, but I didn't want to make him feel bad, and so I just kind of asked him why he did it and he said this relationship is branching out <laughs> <laughs>
Honestly, Tori, I'm a little bit uncomfortable about this. I kind of imagined this would be a professional relationship, but uh, I guess thank you for being honest. All right, guys, on that romantically awkward note, much like Maggie and Alfred's budding romantic, never-to-be-seen-again romance, have a great, great, great however long it is until you listen to the next episode. And I will see you then, because I watch everybody as they listen to this show. Bye.